holds out. We will get through this today because I'm already coughing and that's always a good sign. Uh, before I'm rude, hi, Michael. And I don't have Cameron, I have Lou. Say hi, Lou. Hey. <laughs> and we have gathered together this week to tell you that you cannot desecrate that which is not holy. And you're going, what? Mm-hmm. Reminder, Lou and I are upping our ante a little bit this year on our little format, so we are going to try to do our little devotional bit because we think that's the most important thing that we do is actually do some some light exegesis of Scripture, novel idea, start with the Bible, right? Right, let's do that. Yeah. And then take mm-hmm. the Bible verse and apply and try to try to bring out of that one cardinal doctrine of the faith mm-hmm. that we can kind of work through and then hopefully take that cardinal doctrine and apply it to something that's been going on in the world around us over the last week or so. So we have a little bit of old news this week, but that's just simply because it was too good to let go of. It It, it may be two weeks old, but it was just too good to let go of, and I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You're going to have to wait and go through the good stuff. What's the good stuff? 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. All right, hold on. I didn't write this down, but you know what I have to do right now. What's that? I, I messed up. What did we start off with? Therefore. Right. What's it there for? What's the therefore? Therefore. Right. All right. Therefore is in regards Peter has just explained the gospel. Right. You are redeemed. You are of the Lord. You are a new people. Even though you're suffering persecution, you're longing for Christ, you're living faithfully in this world, you are the saved people of God. The blessed hope of the resurrection. There right. we go. So, good summary. Yeah. There's your therefore. Remember, children, and yes, I'm pointing at you. Luke can vouch for this. I'm He's pointing pointing. at you. Remember, children, you must understand the context of Scripture. Don't just airdrop in and go, oh, this says, no, 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 no. Stop. Pay attention. Otherwise, Musa and Squirrel will be mad at you and you will understand the Bible wrong. I have no <laughs> idea why I'm doing a Natasha voice, but I am. All right. So, prepare your minds for action. Why? Because you are now a Christian. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in other words, this therefore is literally a therefore. Because you are new in God, Mm -hmm. you should live differently than when you were old in Adam. Make sense? Now, is this an idea unique to Peter? No, definitely not. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah, I, I always like asking those questions because Lou thinks about it for a second. And he's like, wait a minute, that's the dumbest question you've ever asked me. And then he makes this little scowl and he's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> See, and in Lou's defense, I do ask enough trick questions that I try to keep him on his toes. So yes. yeah, one of our guys in the Bible study starting to pick up on that. He's like, I think that's one of your yes, no questions. So I'm going to say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he's catching on. So no, we have, this in Paul. we have this in Paul. This is one of those coffee cup verses that's actually a good coffee, coffee cup verse. Right, right. Romans chapter 12, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. How should I present my body? A living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but... 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you improve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Same idea here. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are now living differently in knowledge of who and what you are. And Paul starts off that Romans 12 with a therefore. Therefore, in light of the mercies of God of chapter 11 poured out upon you the alien branch that has been grafted in, in light of that salvation in Christ from Romans chapter 10, and in light of God preserving the remnant of Romans chapter 9, which is in light of the exposition of how you become a Christian and what that means from Romans 8 back through 1. <laughs> I think what I just said is, read Romans, it'll do you, it'll good. Do you good. Right. In light of all of that, this is now what you do. You are new in Christ, therefore you live new. Right. Now, how do you do this day in and day out? This was something you pointed out about two weeks ago. Since we have a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How should we do that? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In light of our new status, we should be reminding ourselves of who we are and how we got here by fixing our eyes. I always love this analogy. When I was a baseball coach in a former life, one of the things I would have to teach kids who were in high school and had literally never played baseball before, it was one of those schools, was how to run bases. Because there's a science to running the bases, how to cut the angles, when to take wide turns and things like that. And one of the first things I would actually have to do with so was just teaching these kids how to run in a straight line. Because if you've never done it in a scientific manner, there's, there's a wrong way and a right way to do it. Because if you ask the average person to take off and run, do you know where their first motion is actually going to be typically? To first, first, no, I don't. So if, if I tell you, if I, if I point at something that's over there and say, run over there, do you know where your first motion is not going to be? It's never going to be over there. It's going to be up. up. You're going to push your body up and then push yourself down into the running motion unless you train that out of yourself. And so when these kids would get a lead off first base, I would actually have to teach them how to dig into the ground because otherwise they'd go to steal second base and their first movement would be up, which is not helpful when you're stealing second base. Is it? gives you away, right? Well, it's not that it gives you away. It's That's a split second where you're not moving quickly in the direction I need you to move. Got it, also, got when it. you're in the outfield so and you're, you're tracking on a ball. Efficient and yes, it's there. all about efficiency. Milliseconds and, and okay. inches matter. Okay. So what we teach kids how to do is when you take off to run, your eyes immediately go where? Down. down. Okay. By putting your eyes down immediately, you will dig down your first couple of strides, either your first you know, five or six strides, you know, your 15 to 20 first feet, your head is down. Then you pick your head up so that you can look where? Where you're running. Where I'm running. So I do that so that I can then be powerful in direction. The computer is trying to do something weird. Okay, whatever. Stop it. I don't care about that right now. Ah! Right. <laughs> it's warning me about Flash Player. I don't care. I know. You discontinued it. Nobody works on it anymore. I got it. <laughs> so we literally teach them, in order to get there quickly, you have to look in the right directions. Right. So I look down, and then as I'm running, once I'm at full speed, now I look up. Even in the outfield, when the ball's hit, your brain knows where it's going. Right. Your first movement is just run hard. Don't look where the ball's going. You already know where it's going. Run hard, five, six steps. Then find the ball and track it. Christian, I went, told you all of that story to tell you this story. This is how you function. You look in the direction you're going. Which direction are we going? We are going in a Christ 
like direction. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are not here. You are not made for here. You are not living for here. You are living for a kingdom that is to come based on the grace of God that he has provided. So should you be looking to the here and now or should you be looking with an eternal mindset and perspective? Well, looking with the internal mindset and perspective, and 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 looking to Christ for your example, and 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 giving you hope because He overcame. Yes, I overcome not because of right. me, but because of he, him. him. It's almost like there's a Bible verse about that, Colossians chapter three. Right. If you have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Echoing the words of 1 Peter, and actually 1 Peter is echoing the words of Romans 12 and Colossians 3, because they would have been written before 1 Peter. So you have the same mindset. Why? Because you have a same salvation. This is one of the reasons why we say, read your Bible, it will do you good, and and Luke can vouch that I'm begging you to do so with with outstretched hands. Because there is a consistency of the apostolic witness that builds on the consistency of the prophetic witness that builds upon the consistency of all the law and the wisdom that has come before it, because it is all based on the same Holy Spirit that is the third member of the trinity from god <sighs> lots of run-on sentences today apparently that's well, our theme is run-on that's the sentences. way the bible's written though i mean paul <laughs> he'll go paul's on. like here's what i need to do yeah. remember when you were a kid and you learned a paragraph is three or more sentences about the same topic paul's like challenge accepted one sentence two paragraphs there we go right. <laughs> right. I, I mean the hardest thing when i started studying greek is to understand that they didn't have punctuation it's like, what did you people, how, do you, how, like, I, how did you know where one idea started and stopped? Right. This is proof they were smarter than we are. Yeah. So well, I think the argument I, is iPhones have made you dumb. There we go. There it is. <laughs> hey, I have an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dumb. <laughs> See, this is part of the breakdown and the problem. We don't think like they did, and that's part of the reason why I said don't airdrop in, but back up from that therefore. Because we don't think like they think. Right. And we have to make sure we get ourselves grounded in the mindset of Scripture before we start to read it so that we can then apply it rightly. Now, this is important because... If you're willing to do that step to read your Bible, you are on a good path. But what you have to continue to do is as you live in this world, you have to train and orient your brain to think that way. Because, again, we don't think and live the way that they did. So you have to, you know, hello, McFly, McFly, (coughs) anybody in there. You have to actually condition yourself day in and day out to think and appeal to this world differently. You have to process it differently, which, again, 1 Peter, keep completely on the grace, I'm sorry, fix your hope completely on the grace of Christ to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep it there, because if you don't, you're going to drift, you're going to think wrongly, your eyes will be in the wrong direction, and you'll have hopped on the way to steal second base. I think that's what the lesson we've learned today, right? Right. Don't hop. Hopping is bad. That's not good. No, hopping is bad. So... (laughs) So rabbits are evil, and Easter Easter bunnies especially, right? I think we can all universally agree on that. There's something wrong with Easter bunnies, yes. Yes. All right, so Peter continues. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the lusts which were yours in your ignorance. This echoes again Romans 12, but this also echoes Paul in other places. The uh, the Christian walk from Ephesians 4 and 5. What should you be doing? You shouldn't be wandering around, blown here and there by the winds and waves of doctrine. You should be what? 
You should be anchored. This is, this is the language of Ephesians 4. You have been taught in Christ. You have laid aside the old self, so you are now walking in truth. You are walking in righteousness. When you see unrighteousness, Ephesians 5.11, you do not have anything to do with the unfruitful deeds that it produces, but you do what? You expose them. You shine the light upon them. You don't comfort them. You don't coddle them. You shine the light, and like vampires and cockroaches, they go scurrying away because they can't be in the light. That works, right? That's so awesome. Yes. Yeah, the image that that brings up in your mind, yeah, they, they scurry when the light and, it, and it shines and they can't deal with it. And what are we supposed to be doing? We're not supposed to be putting our, our light under a basket. We do what? We set it up high so that everyone sees it. Why? Because it scalds the vampire and sends the cockroaches running. It ruins the plan and function of sin and unrighteousness in this world just by virtue of the existence of righteousness. If you ever wonder why the world hates the Christian church so much, this is your answer. Because your simple existing in righteousness and holiness, given to you by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit that you are now walking in, just your existence in that fact, they hate it. Because you know what it reminds them of? That they ain't got that. They don't have it. They're wrong. They're living their life. They're living a lie. Yeah. Right? So everything that the Christian religion, uh, biblical faith in God stands for, they're totally against it. They don't want to see it. The light blinds no. them. It, 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 it forces them to run back into the darkness. Ah, don't you just love it? Don't you just love it? Now, this becomes key as we move forward. Because, again, Peter is talking to you about what? Get my water so I don't keep hacking. Do not be conformed to the lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So what do I do when I realize that I have been conformed to the lusts that were mine in my ignorance? Well, Cre- you, first you have to repent. See, there's your first John 1. Right, you have to turn back to God. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. But if we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive. forgive. Right, right. And always remember this. I have to type this in because I didn't actually get these typed in. I don't know why I didn't do this, but I messed up something as we get. Never forget your biblical order. I do not know many things in life. But you know what I do know? That first John 1 comes before first John 2. That is just one of those metaphysical certitudes that I am aware of because I can count as I've been able to do since elementary school. So I, re- I just quoted First John 1. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, right. and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and, word is, and his word is not in us. Meaning you're going to do what? You're going to recognize one day that you're going to be in sin. Does that mean I am not, that I'm no longer conformed to the former lust which you were yours in ignorance? No. Mm. See, notice how Peter phrases that. Do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in ignorance. Ignorance. Right. Now that I know, I look at it and go, right. and I do not walk in that way, but I do what? I go, I confess, because I confess, because I am his, he is faithful to forgive. In light of that is where First John 2 picks up. Little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And once again, I messed up because they didn't type in enough of the verse. <sighs> because John is going to go on to continue. So there's your reminder of the reality that is the end of First John. And then that continues to pick up. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. And the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Wait a minute. 
halt. Does that mean I have to be perfect to be in Christ? Absolutely not. See, I think that's one of my trick questions, because I think the answer is absolutely and absolutely not. Well, you can be perfect in that when you recognize that you've sinned, you repent, and you do what is required. If, if you've wronged your neighbor, you make it right if you can. And this is where our alien righteousness comes in. Right. I'm not good in Christ because I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good in Christ because he is good. My act of knowing, repenting, and being forgiven is not what saves me. Christ is what saves me. This is what I do that proves I am now saved. That's what Romans 12 is talking about. This is what the section 1 Peter 1 is talking about. I'm walking because I am no longer in ignorance. Therefore, I am walking correctly. I'm not perfect in this world because I am in Christ. But because I am Christ, I am perfect. So I'm being saved, and I am saved, and I will be saved. So we're talking about not walking in the way that we formerly walked in ignorance, but yet we're also talking about a different type of walk. Um, in, in a Hebrew frame of mind, it's a halak, halakic walk, and, and it's kind of a moral understanding of walking in the ways of God, Yes, which is repeated all over the place in the New Testament. Yeah, this is your prophetic, and this is, this is what the law is teaching you, your sanctification. This is what the prophets are pointing you to, a return to God, which would equal a return to righteousness. Right, that's the alien righteousness, yes. the ways that God prepared in advance for us to walk What in. the prophets, major and minor, are calling the people back to is not, you need to do better, it's you need to return to God. Right. And when you return to God, he will forgive, he will grant you justification and sanctification, which means he will grant you righteousness and holiness, which means you will then be different, and you will act differently. This is not clean yourself up so God will love you. This is return to God, he will love you, and you will then be clean. There's a difference between those things. Your holiness is an outworking of God in you and you in God, but it is still the outworking primarily of God in his accomplishment. Your righteousness, as you said, it's alien. I didn't attain it. Christ attained it and provided it to me. Now I exercise it. Why do I exercise it? Because I recognize that I'm sober in spirit with my eyes fixed on Christ. I'm no longer conformed to my lusts, which were in ignorance, but I see them. The light from outside is shining, so now the light inside is shining. So now I am different. I am walking in newness. I am clean. Even though I'm finding myself in sin, I still have a righteousness, I still have a holiness, and I still have the ability to walk faithfully in repentance and faith in God. Even the best of us Always. stumble, fumble, and we regroup, and, and we repent, and, and try to live a better life. That's, that's a process of sanctification. That, you know, we're justified, we're saved because God called us into this salvation, um, and, and he gave us every tool that we needed to be able to maintain it, not of our own works, but as we learn to walk in the ways that he gave us to walk in, that's how we perfect our life. Absolutely. We, we imitate our Father in heaven. We, we imitate the, the Son, and we keep our eyes fixed on him and him alone. And, and again, we, because my knowledge is different, my focus is different, therefore my life is now different. Right. And that's why Peter sums up, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Hmm. Also in all our behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now you notice, because it is written. Where, pray tell, is it written? It is written in Leviticus chapter 19. Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy for I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. Now, remember this. 
please remember this. The law is not a means of salvation. Never has been. Never will be. The people were redeemed when God rescued them from slavery. The people were redeemed when God chose them as his people. So they are set aside. Now they are supposed to walk in holiness, just like 1 Peter 1 here is telling you. The law is the answer to how do I do that? What does that look like? It is not their means of justification. It is their means of sanctification. The law is how they demonstrate. And if the law is burdensome to the people, that does not reveal a problem in the law. That reveals a problem in the people. People. The law becomes burdensome because they don't want to keep it. Right, our flesh is warring against the spiritual aspects, just like in Romans 8 it talks about, you know, that the law of God is spiritual, but we're carnal and we're, we have this enmity, this extreme hatred for it. See, and I think Romans 7 and 8 brings out this perfectly because I should probably correct this. The law is burdensome to all groups, but the reason, the question has to become, why is it burdensome? If it's burdensome because I just don't want to keep it, I don't want to do all this stuff, then I am outside of justification. I am not redeemed because I have no desire to walk in holiness. If the law is burdensome because I want to keep it and I'm finding myself not keeping it, this would be Paul's lament at the end of Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? See, if the law is burdensome because I'm trying and I just... I just can't because I'm constantly recognizing my brokenness and sin. The problem is not my justification. The problem is I'm calling out to God for an increase and a help in sanctification. By the way, this is good news, which is why Paul immediately transitions from that to the beautiful words of Romans 8. Thanks be to God, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, in other words, the fear that you would have recognizing your sin is gone in Christ. Yeah. Because I don't worry about judgment. Yeah, when you look at the letter of the law, it drives you to your knees, it drives mm-hmm. you to your Savior, and it says, Lord, I can't, I can't do this without you. Yes, and uh, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Right. Psalm 37, 4. What's the point? As I desire more of God, and my joy is found in my worship and service of God, God goes, you need more of this. Mm-hmm. Why? Because this is what I'm desiring. I'm desiring the good thing, and God is giving me the good thing. When God doesn't give me more of what I want, it's because the thing that I want isn't the good thing. And this becomes the breakdown of our human living. That's the first category. I don't want to follow your precepts. I don't want to walk in your ways. I don't want to follow the holy path you have laid down because I don't want to do that stuff. What I'm saying is I have a problem in my justification, Mm -hmm. which is why I can't walk in sanctification. My holiness is broken because I don't have any means by which to be holy. There are none righteous apart from Christ. None. There should be a song about that. No, not one. No, not one. (laughs) We need more sin songs. We need more songs about how people are burning up or something. It's interesting. A lot of the scriptures, it talks about this war against the flesh, and there are also a lot of scriptures that talk about us being dead in our trespasses and sins and dead to sin when we start following Christ. Um, we We no longer live, right? It's Christ that lives within us in Galatians, right? Billy Foot, that's who we need. And you are absolutely right. Yeah. Billy Foot wrote a song about a year and a half ago, All the Wolves Will Burn in Hell. I was like, Yes. Oh my. Go look that up. Bill Foot. Bill Foot, I forget the song that he wrote that was big in the nineties, but yeah, all the wolves will burn in hell. It's it's it's, it's melodic. It's beautiful. 
But you're just all of a sudden it dawns on you what you he's singing about. It's like, whoa, dude is serious, and I am here for this. I am here for this level of righteous indignation. Yes, we need more songs like that. So sing Bill Foot; it'll do you good. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yes, <clears throat> but no, you're absolutely right. My walking is in Christ because Christ is now in me, and now I am walking righteously. Not because, again, of anything that is good in me, because of the alien righteousness that has been supplied. Therefore, I am seeking to walk in my Christ-likeness, and I am seeking to keep the precepts and follow what God has laid down because I love him and seek to serve him. And this is how I demonstrate that. And again, this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, executing spiritual gifts. Why? For the uplifting and building up of the body of of Christ. Why? Because this is how we're anchored. This is how we encourage one another. This is how we strengthen one another. This is how we disciple one another. I exercise my gifts, you exercise your gifts, and we walk together strengthened and prepared for the wrong brokenness that is ahead of us. Let's face it. If we don't stick together as the body, if we don't sharpen each other, we're going to be torn apart by, by, by the world and the people that all hate the things that we espouse. Well, is it, the, is, it the, is it a Ben Franklin quote? Either we're all hanging together or we all hang separately. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to have to look that up because I don't remember it's that. It's one of the Founding Fathers. Read the Founding Fathers. <clears throat> It'll, do you, It'll good. do you good. There you go. So we tell you that story to tell you this story. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. That actually is a song that uh, we used to sing in church long ago. Uh, <laughs> right. Sorry. So I... My brain just fried on that song. Anyway, if you haven't figured out, our doctrine is righteousness or holiness. holiness yeah. And this becomes important because if we do not define where it comes from and what it is rightly, we will apply it wrongly, understand it wrongly, and we will end up in all sorts of weird, broken, busted up places that don't make a lick of sense. And that's a good southernism that we don't have a lick of sense. Boy, you ain't got a lick of sense. About as sharp as a bowling ball, right? There that you go. Rhode Island Red. There you go. So... <clears throat> I think you can tell from what we've discussed thus far. This, see, this will be the shorter portion of the program. What is holiness? It is a sanctified, righteous living, following after the paths of God, following after the example of Christ, being empowered by the Spirit of God to live rightly in the kingdom that God is building. Yeah, we're sanctified. We're set apart. Yes. We've been called by God and set apart for a purpose. See, you give the Reader's Digest version. I give the full one. <laughs> right. But, well, I mean, we're talking Christianese here, though. No, we are. And that's a why lot so of we're folks tr- don't understand we're what trying you mean to figure by this that. Out. So, so let's break this down. So it is a sanctified living. Right. Sanctified. Set apart. Cleansed from the world. These, right. are, these are concepts we get whether it's Christianese or not. So when we talk sanctification, we're talking being sanctified. We're being set apart from the world, being cleansed from the world. Um, the example I've been using on Sunday mornings, if you followed along, is we're not just getting Israel out of Egypt, but we're also endeavoring to get Egypt out of Israel. Right. So that the mindset of the world, the mindset of sin, the mindset of degradation and the, and the corruption that it brings is removed from the person. This is what the Holy Spirit does in, sanctif- in, in justification, is you are indwelt and now empowered. The uh, which were yours in ignorance portion of the program in First Peter. So you are taken away from that and set on a new path in new, new, in new wisdom. Mm-hmm. So what Second Corinthians would talk about the newness of uh, the new creature, the new, new creature walking. creature in Christ, yeah. So... Old things pass away. Yes, thank you. My brain just, Mm -hmm. I'm locking up here. So, you are sanctified. You are set apart so that you would do what? Walk 
walk how? In godliness. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means we're following the way that God has told us this world should work. Right. We are walking in a way that is honoring and pleasing to him. When God says don't go left, you don't go left. When God says don't go right, you don't go right. Where in the world, where in my Bible could I maybe find a summary of what it would look like to follow the commands and precepts of God. Like, if only they put that in a list of, like... The Ten Commandments? Like, ten. You yeah. know, ten is a good number, yeah, right? Exodus 20, yeah. Yeah, good lists come in tens, right? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. They should. Or twos. If they don't, they should now. Yeah. <laughs> so it is written, so, so it shall so be done. Be done. <laughs> so, yeah, this right. is your summary of sanctified living, is your Ten Commandments. No idolatry. Honor the name of God. Remember the Sabbath to trust in him. Um, have no other gods, nothing else occupying the high place of God. Do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet, but desire the good things that God has provided and desire to walk faithfully, honestly, and contentedly in the things that he has given. That's why covetousness is such a big deal. Right. Is this is what James talks about, is why, why do you sin and quarrel? Well, because you have and you don't get it. Mm -hmm. So you murder and connive with one another to try to get what you want. no. Godliness says, sanctified living says, be content with what God has provided and seek after him, not the things of this world. Yeah, putting your flesh to, the de to death is one of the most difficult things that a believer mm -hmm. will do. And it's something that we have to remember each day. Because each day it rises up in the morning just when you wake up. And you, it rises up just like you rise up in the morning and you have to wage war against it every, every single, single day. Every single day. So... Sanctified, set apart to walk in godliness, following after the path and example laid down by Christ. This right. is what uh, 1 Corinthians 11, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. This is also your Ephesians 5 that we were looking at earlier, that, that you're walking after Christ as he has walked. Mm -hmm. So what would it look like to live a life totally devoted to and trusting in God? That is what Christ has done day in and day out. What is my goal? To be like Christ. You don't want to be like Mike, like like to be like Mike. No, no, no. That was bad 80s advertising. You don't want to do that. Don't drink your Gatorade and be like Mike. Um, drink your communion wine and be like Jesus. There's got to be an example in here somewhere that makes sense, right? <laughs> We've lost Lou. I don't know where we're at. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know. How did we get here? How do we get back? <clears throat> I want to be like Christ. So what are the examples that are laid down for me? What does it look like to lay down my life? What does it look like to proclaim the, the good news faithfully? What does it look like to be angry righteously? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to battle against false teachers? What does it look like to care for the least of these brethren? What do all of those things look like? If only there was a Jesus in the New Testament that showed me what these things looked like, right. that laid the path before me so that I would be without excuse when I sit there and go, I don't know how to do all this. And yes, you do. Read it, your Bible. And it's also written down somewhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> if only they put these things in a book. Yeah. I mean, whenever Christ met a temptation, he, he, he referred back to the scripture. He says, it is written. That, that says an example for us. Rooted and built up in God and in his word. How do I know about Christ? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. How do I know what God has proclaimed? It's in the Bible. How do I know what is right for me? It's in the Bible. All of these things give me an anchor point. So I am sanctified, following, following in godliness, walking after Christ, forsaking the world, meaning no longer clinging to the, divide, the, the vices 
and deceitfulness that the world is trying to bring. Right. No longer clinging to the lusts of my flesh. This is what we were talking about, Romans 12 in 1 Peter 1 here. No longer looking to be satisfied in the here and now, but seeking a higher place, a greater place. This is your therefore of Hebrews 12. Since we have a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, time out. What cloud of witnesses? Go back into your Hebrews 11, your hall of faith. What's the punchline of all of those people? These died without having realized all of these things. Why? Because the kingdom was not yet complete. We were not yet added. So they were still waiting. But what did they do? They waited and walked faithfully. And if you ever want to have some fun, read that list and then go read about them in the Old Testament. Right. Some of these guys are not good. Right. Like genuinely not good at this. Like Samson and Jephthah make it. These are not good guys. But what are they? They stumbled and fell quite a bit. Quite a bit. Like Jephthah sacrifices one of his daughters. (laughs) That is so sad. (laughs) I mean, just this is, I mean, I'm laughing because it's thousands of years removed and that poor child isn't suffering now. But oh my goodness, this is, he's in the hall of faith. Catch that. Hall of faith. Jephthah's not a good guy, but we have a good God. Samson is not a good guy. Like, if you're a pagan, Samson's the type of dude you want to sit at the bar and have a beer with. But you do not want to sit next to Samson at the church potluck. <laughs> like, you'd be sitting there going, we let this dude in church? Like, they let this guy take communion? Yes, and that's exactly the point. Faith is not perfection in the here and now. It is striving after a perfection that is in Christ. Colossians 3 that we read earlier, that is to be revealed when Christ is revealed. Right. So. This hall of broken witnesses is a testimony to the fidelity of God, the strength of salvation in Christ, and the ability of broken people to make it to the end because God has held them and uplifted them and carried them, kicking and screaming in some instances, across the finish line. Perseverance of the saints. I mean, Absolutely. God pulls his kicking and screaming sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, I coughed right in the microphone because I didn't His grace time. is sufficient. And, that's and it's perfected in our weakness. And, and we need to remember that. About that. Yes, we need to remember that. So we, we, we fall and we kick ourselves a lot. Now this, is, now, this becomes important because this understanding of holiness helps you apply it rightly. So based on this, what is holy? What God says is holy. Now, and that means God is holy, mm-hmm. which means Jesus is holy, which means the Holy Spirit is holy, which means his people are holy. Well, more specifically, what the scriptures call holy, that is holy. Yes. Because God defined that in his word. And outside of that definition, what is holy? I, I would say nothing. I would agree with you. Now, we tell you that story. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> to tell you this story. All right. <laughs> alert. Here's some application because... Th- this is something that if you're not really paying attention, you will look at and go, uh-huh, that's, that's high-minded, ethereal language. I, I feel so good, and it's bunk. It's complete and total bunk. So let's see. It is the 27th, so we are just – wow, it's been three weeks. It has been. Three, that's frightening, isn't it? So on January 6th, we had what is being called an insurrection at the Capitol in the United States here, and I have to make sure I cover all that because – um, hi, I see you guys. We, we have routine downloads from England and um, Trinidad and Tobago and Russia. So, hi, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, send, us a, send us a news story. We'll cover it, even if it's on your country. Just make sure you give me an English translation. I don't read Russian well. <laughs> <laughs> so I make sure I cover these things and, and the importance of them as we go. But they're calling it insurrection. It was 
probably a pile of liquored up lunatics who got a couple people killed by doing stupidity. But I'm going to go with that. Okay. In response to this, the, the, it was just frightening because the, the, the news reports out of the U.S. referred to it as an invasion, an insurrection, and my favorite, a desecration. Now, we are in north-central Illinois, which means one of our beloved senators is, uh, is Dick Durbin. And he's my first quote. This, talking about the Capitol building, this is a sacred place. But this sacred place was desecrated by a mob today on our watch. This temple to democracy was defiled by thugs. Okay. Sacred is something that has been sanctified, something that has been set apart by God, something that is now holy. I would describe the Capitol building of the United States and Washington, D.C. as many things. Well, I think I would not describe it as as holy. I, I think some of the worst corrupt, underhanded things on the planet go on in that building on a daily basis. I don't to, even recognize my country anymore. To, I have to, to be say that you. this is yeah. a sacred place. See, this was the lie. If, if you were like me and you grew up in the 80s, you were told that the reason we had to keep invading foreign countries was because we had to make the world safe for democracy. Now, look, I like democracy. Mm-hmm. I like representative republics. I, I think it's... As human interventions go, it is the best form of government. But to say that it is a sacred ideal is just idiotic. And to say that a building housed for politics and politicians who on my morality scale are about three steps above the cockroaches that the Mm -hmm. light is burning, Mm -hmm. um, to say that they are occupying a sacred building with a sacred institution and that their place could be desecrated is frightening. Well, they have a word for this. It's it's called rhetoric. <laughs> it's it's all it's it's not whether it's true. But or, we have to see whatever. above the rhetoric. And right. This is this is the key virtue thing. signaling. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could say about this. <sighs> see, this is Hakeem Jeffries, who I didn't. I think he's from New York, talking about people that urinated in the hallways. Which look, not my job to defend people who urinate in hallways. All right. If you urinate in a hallway, that's just bizarre. That's just bizarre behavior. I don't even know what you're trying to prove and what you're trying to accomplish. I think we can all universally agree that's just disgusting, right? We All those in favor of saying that urinating in the hallway is disgusting, say aye. 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 Yeah. All those opposed? Okay, thank you. But this was a clear desecration. I can't desecrate something that's just there. Like, while it's disgusting to urinate in your hallway, it is not desecrating your building. It's dirtying your building. Right. This idea that secular institutions, which I know Romans 13 exists. We've covered that. Go listen to our episode on government. It will do you good. I know that Romans 13 exists. But to equate a secular institution, which every – catch that – every government on this planet is a secular institution – to equate that with any form of holy set-apartness is just wrong. And frankly, it's offensive. And since this is 2021, me saying I'm offended means I have the highest moral standing, right? <laughs> Isn't that how that works now? I think so. I'm offended. Where's my trophy of reparation? Right. Right. We Sorry. deserve, we do, we deserve <laughs> reparations. Yes, for I our... want reparations for my offendedness. Yeah. yeah. I can find some other things to be offended about. Right. <laughs> this, this whole thing... It, it gets under my skin really bad. I mean, I, I served eight years in the military. I'm a 50-year-old man. 
I've never in my life seen such total nonsense. I mean, weeks earlier to this, they were a party to the Antifa and the BLM movements, just burning down our country, um, destroying... <laughs> Those were mostly peaceful protests. That, see, now that's another <laughs> hypocrisy that I can't stand for. See, I, no, I agree with you. See, I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. I know it. It just, it's, it's, it's now, deplorable. So why does this bother us so much? Because you may be looking going, why... What are these guys going on about? Yeah, why is this such a big deal? Christian, if we lose the concept of what sanctification is, what holiness is, and where it comes from, we have not just thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We have thrown out the entire nursery and bathroom together. We've lost everything. We have lost what makes us special in society. We have lost the moral high ground because we refused to stand upon it. And this is one of those things I'm big on. Understand your worldview and how that now makes you relate to the world around you. If you don't, you will find yourself in a constant tizzy trying to explain this place from the world's perspective. And if you've caught nothing else, it is that the Christian is supposed to stand apart from the world's perspective. They are supposed to look from the outside in. No longer in ignorance, but seeing those who are in ignorance and recognizing what is wrong and how that can be made right. So if we allow language like this, the temple of democracy, democracy has no temples. That's a dumb concept. Democracy is literally a mob rule. So how does something that's a mob rule set aside a sacred temple? What happens when five minutes from now the mob decides <coughs> something different is sacred? So that sacred temple is gone and this sacred temple is erected? No, that's literally the definition of shifting sands and being blown about by every wind and wave of doctrine. Right, they're capricious, they're no. ever-changing. You don't get temples to democracy, which is an oxymoronic definition. What you get is a building that you conduct business in. Now, should that building be destroyed? No. Should that, be, should that building be urinated on? No. Should that building be trashed? No. But if it is, that does not mean that a desecration has taken place. A sacred institution has not been taken down. What did Jesus tell you? Kingdoms and empires will rise and they will fall. They have not been desecrated. They have been cast aside to the scrap heap of history because they are still part of the underfoot march that God is making towards his eternal kingdom, which means all of these things are temporary. That's why we don't long for them. They're right. going away. Yeah. The world and her lusts are going away, First John 2. Therefore, we don't fix our eyes upon them. We fix our eyes upon Christ right. because my he is eternal. Come. He is anchored. Yes, my kingdom come, my will be done. Right. And it will be done. Right. That's, our, that's our blessed hope. If you don't anchor on that, you lose everything. If you give them an inch, they have proven they will take 27.4 miles, I measured. And if you let them take that, then the distinctions of language that we utilize will be destroyed. And when that happens, we no longer are capable of making arguments against their silliness. <laughs> Instead, when they make these arguments, you point them out and you go, you don't get sacred. You don't get desecration. You don't get holy because you're not in a temple. You're in a building. Mm -hmm. That you do work, and most of it's corrupt most of the time anyway, but that's neither here nor there. You get a work. I get a holy work from a righteous God that has granted me something that this world cannot understand. How do I know they can't understand it? Here you go, because they're doing this stuff. Right. When you see the wisdom of God better than the foolishness of the world, this is what 
First Corinthians is talking about. This is the degradation of mind that Romans 1 is talking about. This is the futile speculations and the not understanding the creator, the creation, and how they relate to it. Christian, you are holy because you are in Christ. Christ is holy. He has given you a righteousness and called you to a path of sanctification. How can I walk that path? Because it is well lit by the footprints of Christ, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and the security of God the Father who will ensure his kingdom will come to pass. So do not let them argue this and do not let them degrade or desecrate our holy God by cheapening his grace, by co-opting his language for their own effect. Yes. And I throw the pen down because I'm that annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else we need to cover on this? No, I think we've covered it very well. All right. So what have we learned here today, children? Holiness is of and from God. God alone. Sanctification is not optional or light for the Christian. It is who you are and what you do on a regular basis. And we are way too invested in the trappings of this world if we let this language stand. And right. if we let them continue to do this, we are way too invested in what the world thinks and how they live. So don't do that. Read your Bible, study, know how it relates, and know that it works. So questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. We'll be glad to answer all of them. Uh, if you have a story you would like us to cover that you think relates to some Christian doctrine, even if it doesn't, we will find a Christian doctrine and make it make sense. Mm. <laughs> Not really, but since all of these things relate to good theology, we will cover them as they come. So send them to the same email. If you would like to see some resources, go to the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. You will find reading plan for this year. It's still January. Some of you are still able to catch up. We have our Through the Bible reading plan. Read the Bible once through in the year. We even have little notes to help keep you caught up and to answer funky questions like, why is this here? What is this doing? They're all there. You can also uh, download some articles. There's a book you might want to buy that I highly recommend it on the Sermon on the Mount. I recommend it because I wrote it. Uh, leave a good review if you like it. If you don't like it, don't leave any reviews. <laughs> Please, please. I'm like 642nd on the sales list, so I'm trying to move up to like 600. I'm actually 642,000th on the sales list. I'm trying to move up to like at least the 620,000. So help me out here. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Not written because we we're going to get rich, but written because I thought it was useful information came out of a Bible study. So it's a good little devotion on the Sermon on the Mount. You might find it useful. If you don't, like I said, just keep it to yourself and use it for kindling. It'll be good for that, if nothing else. Um. <laughs> if it's electronic, don't burn your computer. Yeah, don't burn your computer. Right. Unless your computer is evil and causing you to sin, in which case, burn it. Oh, yes. Burning down the house. So there you go. Um, until next time, pay attention to this world. Walk in holiness, please. Read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.